Welcome to Financial Talks with Jude and Ed. This week's episode is about the impacts of COVID-19 on personal finances. So Jude, talk to me about your personal financial situation before COVID and during COVID. What changes did you see in your spending? Um, honestly, before COVID, you know, and now we're pretty much making the same income. Nothing has changed there. Uh, me and my wife are uh, fortunate enough to have our jobs and we're still good there on that front. I think the difference was in the beginning of COVID when they started shutting everything down, we had to take our son out of daycare and, you know, we started saving money there. And mm-hmm. the only thing was that you're saving money there, but we ended up spending more money on other things. And we did a project in the backyard and we did, we bought some things for the house. So we ended up breaking even maybe um i would say the biggest impact of covid was just like watching a kid fold like having him all day and he's a year and a half at that time and mm-hmm. working a full-time job i just it was just a little hard for both of us and um uh, you know a lot of people think when you're working from home you're just you know sitting around so you should be able to uh, watch a kid if you don't work from home that's maybe what you think but honestly it's not it wasn't feasible, so we're glad that he's back in daycare and everything's a lot better right now. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of families experience. There was a shift in spending, more money being spent around the house, renovations. Fun fact, lumber up 65% during COVID. So you definitely follow the trend. I know for myself... I was spending a lot more money at the restaurants, bars, going on trips, uh, clothes, where now I find I'm, I'm spending a lot more money at the grocery store uh, or maybe through takeout, delivery. Alcohol is now being purchased at the wine rack mm. and at the grocery store. And I also noticed that I'm saving more and i'm looking to use my cash luckily to invest more because i do see markets shifting changing specifically with consumer habits so i'm looking to take advantage of some of those shifts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the market yes yes that's amazing i i think i did a tiny bit of investing in the beginning and cashed out early uh so i got a little lucky there um but like you said, there has been a massive change in consumer spending. And, you know, you see the statistics about grocery sales going up over 20%. You see the statistics of, you know, how people feel about eating in and out of restaurants. You know, there's a lot of people still not comfortable with that. And, um, you know, a lot more people are cooking and they're enjoying cooking and they're enjoying baking and whatnot. There was that article you shared with me. And, you know, the, the stats there were staggering. I think they were like in the 60% for some of these uh, categories. Um, but, you know, I want to, our situation was, you know, not bad because we, we both still maintained our jobs. It was pretty mm-hmm. much lifestyle changes. What I want to talk to you, and you're in the industry, Ed, with, um, um, with you know, being a financial advisor and dealing with high net worth clients and whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. I want to talk about what kind of advice you, would you give to a family that lost, you know, 
one income in the household or even both like what is the advice you would give them you know pre-covid they were both working post-covid one of them dropped and say they made similar income so half the household loses income they're getting a sir but it's you know it's not much right so yeah it's tough conversations to have i think you need to be very realistic with your spending you need to look at your assets if you own a home and these are tough conversations to have but if you own a home and you can't afford the mortgage and the you went on a a payment deferral so you've been getting by the last six months but now the deferral has run out and the banks are no longer extending that deferral Mm-hmm. If you can't afford these payments, you need to look at selling and taking that money and looking at options like renting for the short term until you and your significant other are able to reestablish themselves. Other assets that you can draw on would be stocks, anything in your TFSA, non-registered accounts. I'm not a big fan of taking out from your RSPs unless you are the spouse that or that lost their job and your income is low. But if you're the uh, earner and that's your only asset other than maybe a house, I would say look to, to downsize, sell the house, potentially rent until things get back to normal. That's actually, I, I, I like the idea of, you know, downsizing or selling your home because markets in the real estate industry are still strong, right? So you're still going to get a good bang for your, your home. And, you know, once you ride out this wave and find another job or something like that, you can always enter the market again. Whereas right now, there's just so much uncertainty. And to, you know, hold on to that type of asset not knowing where the economy is going and if there's a dip in the real estate market due to all these deferrals running out and more uh, people pushing their properties closer to the end of the year, um, you know, it could have a major financial impact on their net worth and their savings. Absolutely. And you also don't want to get into a position where you're defaulting on your unsecured lines and visas and you're forced to sell your home through a repossession it's always best to be proactive about the situation Mm -hmm. and be realistic about the situation and do it yourself so that you can get the maximum dollars rather than allowing the bank to foreclose on your property mm-hmm. and have to to take whatever price they decide is is, is enough yeah. for the debt that You know, another option that they could do as well if they're like debt, hell-bent on not selling their property is, you know, if you have a HELOC uh, on the property and you think that you're going to be short-term out of work and you're confident you'll have work, then maybe use that as a cash flow uh, injection until you uh, find some work. Because, you know, end of the day, if the line of credit's large enough, um, you know, I and it, this is an extraordinary situation where, you know, you, you're going to need to borrow a bit to get out of the hole. And once you're out of the hole and you're back working, maybe re-amortize that into your, into your mortgage and pay it off slowly is another option i think what 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 would you say to that option 
I agree. I think you can only sustain living off debt for a certain amount of time. But if that is your only option, I do agree. And it's all relative in how big your line of credit is. So if you have a $300,000 line and you need a $20,000 drawn, you have roughly 12 to 13 years of uh, life that you can live, like expenses. I'm also factoring interest costs. Mm -hmm. So you do have a lot of pull is what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. in terms of not having to sell now, waiting until you get footing back into the job market. So I do agree uh, with you, but if you only had a line of credit of 30,000 and you needed to draw 20, I would say you need to really look at your financial situation and have these tough conversations, make these tough decisions. Mm -hmm. I guess like you were saying, uh, there's once you do sell your home and you're going over to rent, you do have this large amount of uh, cash that you could go and reinvest or you can even downsize and see if you can go. Maybe you had a detach, you go down to a townhouse or something like that and you, you save a couple hundred thousand on the mortgage, right? So those are options as well. Exactly. I think a lot of people fixate themselves on real estate being the only asset but the reality is, if you do sell that property, you will receive the lump sum like you were saying, mm -hmm. and you can invest that into stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, things that's going to help grow your network. And I think that's what we need to focus on, not worry about how we're growing our net worth through the stocks or real estate, but that we are growing it or at a bare minimum, we are trying to stay flat during times that are tough. And if we are starting to draw down on our net worth, then draw down on it as slow as possible to preserve as much of it. I guess, I guess end of the day, this, this strategy only works for, for homeowners, right? Um, homeowners with equity in their property as well, right? So what is the suggestion in terms of budgeting? Do you have any little tips that you can give for someone who's actually renting? Um, is there any uh, options there? Definitely. If you're, if you're budgeting while you're renting, I really like you to look at the market, the rental market. Are you able to find units that are cheaper? Can you pay less rent? Especially in times of uncertainty, we're in a pandemic, we're in a recession, prices are starting to drop. I live in Toronto and prices have dropped 20% according to the conversation we were having earlier today. Mm -hmm. So really look at, is there ways that you can save money? Can you find a bachelor rather than a one bedroom and save a couple hundred dollars? All that stuff will help in the future. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. This is like the best time to look around for rent because, you know, especially in high density areas like downtown Toronto, or if you're living in condos and whatnot where people are all like squeezed together in, in a small area 
these are falling in demand versus people that are trying to go out and move out to the suburbs there's a bit more demand happening in the suburbs recently so i mean i think um that's a great idea is like go find a new rental agreement or negotiate your rental agreement with your landlord maybe shop around and find what rates are out there and then go back to your landlord and say hey this is what it is i've been a good tenant but you know i'm going to need some help on you know reducing the rent or if you can't do that i'm just going to have to go and check another place right so um these are all great opportunities low cost and now that you know you you're not able to find work if you're on serb uh you you know buying groceries and um uh cooking at home is another option as well instead of you know take out and everything but is there anything else we can think of that isn't to do with housing i kind of want to make sure that it's easier said than done mm-hmm. and it's not really a financial advice mm-hmm. but try to stay as positive and happy and hopeful as possible mm-hmm. because tough times don't last mm-hmm. but tough people do yeah so try to be try to understand this too shall pass give it time and just manage uh your happiness and your day-to-day life as best as you can while we're going through this pandemic yeah honestly i think this gives you an opportunity right i feel like there's a lot of people out there that have great ideas that want to do something for themselves but never get the opportunity to now you're forced all this time to be at home or wherever just try and try to build out your business or your idea or get on social media whether it be designing shirts or whether it be selling you know keychains or soap bars or face masks or whatever you want to do now is an opportunity to innovate because during these times are when innovation happens like maybe you can find the next big thing right so i agree I think it forces you to grow and get out of your comfort zone. The world is shifting and the quicker you're able to adapt to the shift as well as anticipate where the world is going, mm-hmm. the better off you are. And I want to say in every pandemic uh I don't even want to use the word pandemic, but in every recession mm-hmm. there are winners there are losers now net losers is what occurs during a recession mm-hmm. but there are winners so are you able to forecast what's going to happen in the future which is impossible but make educated guesses as to where the world is going and create a product or uh invest into an idea or uh a uh, a real estate area that you think is going to be successful mm-hmm. 10 years from now mm-hmm. because what goes up comes down mm-hmm. and vice versa it goes down must come back up yeah no i agree with you i mean it gives you an opportunity to to see that you know maybe the industry you're currently in isn't um isn't as uh recession proof as you thought because you know normally these service industries that are getting hit like in our last 2008 recession they were fairly untouched during um 
compared to like the blue collar workers in the financial industry and everything like that when that happens so you know maybe it's an opportunity for you to see and now you have the time potentially to see if you can uh, retrain yourself or maybe go back to school or start your own business be an entrepreneur there's there's so much opportunities out there don't see this as a negative just see that you have a lot more time on your hand that you can potentially use now i think that changes when you have a family and you have to support a family and figuring all of that out is extremely hard and i mean as long as these government programs come they'll give you the basic need, needs on you know housing and what not hopefully and um that helps you bridge the gap absolutely i absolutely agree with you what do you think we were talking about future state of covid-19 in the world what do you think that looks like i think we were talking about this in our um at work we had a few calls about like what we what people thought was going to happen and what not and you know i think you know it's going to be more of like less density um areas i don't think like more people are going to be working outside of the city it's going to be more remote work um so i think it's i i honestly think it's not a bad thing i think it's just accelerated our use of technology right like the, the amount of companies that went digital and the percentage of workers that went digital at certain companies was ridiculous that wouldn't have happened otherwise right um other items is like just the way we think about real estate right like just the way we think about how we interact with each other i mean covid showed us something that you know maybe we should be considering in terms of when we're thinking about risk as well you know this is our first pandemic with covid we you know you had the spanish flu a while back but why aren't there any uh risk mitigants on ways that we uh we approach things like having one set of workers come in for one week and then have another set of workers come in for another week so if there is some sort of breakout whether it even be like the the flu or like a stomach virus it's not hitting your whole workforce at the same time right right those are precautions i think that were put into place because of covid-19 i don't think they were necessary prior to the pandemic mm-hmm. and we haven't seen something like this since the spanish flu in 1918 which is 100 over 100 years ago mm-hmm. there was conversation as to why we didn't learn from mers sars and i say you can't buy these ventilators and ppe equipment and just wait mm-hmm. on on the chance that there may be a pandemic it costs too much money mm-hmm. so that you know there's only so much preparation yeah. you can do uh i do think that technology is going to be accelerated going forward i think if you're investing money you look at technology sectors if you don't necessarily know the specific companies get a tech etf or a tech mutual fund mm-hmm. i personally think 10 20 years down the line you're going to do great every industry like you said has been affected from technology we go to the grocery store you scan at the self checkout mm-hmm. i 
had a role where we never had laptops and the company gave us laptops. Mm -hmm. We're now using Microsoft Teams. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people are using, obviously, Zoom. So definitely, if I had to look at the future of COVID-19, I would say technology is going to play a big part. I do agree with the shift in the way people have been moving from condos and looking to get more space, being out in the suburbs, mm -hmm. uh, especially because the prices are cheaper. You don't have to pay as much per square foot. You have the fresh air. It just made uh, a lot of sense. And recreational properties, cottages are actually being uh, in much higher demand, specifically cottages that are winterized. You could use it for four seasons, mm -hmm. potentially look at look to retire mm -hmm. when that age comes. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think the restaurant hospitality industry, uh, you know, cruises, airlines, they are going to be crushed. And I feel sorry for the workers that are in that mm -hmm. industry. They really are going to have to retool and yeah. buy new uh, skill sets. Yeah. And honestly, I think um, this is where innovation comes, right? Like this is where the people in those industries that are at home thinking about it, they can think about the best way to make this work for them, right? Whether it be some sort of takeout uh, model or whether it be isolated uh tables or something right like it's it's the best time to try to innovate to solve this problem i think the only problem is that you know once covid once we do get a vaccine and once we you know vaccinate everyone and covid is gone are we going to head back to you know normalized life or will we have some form of social distancing embedded in everything we do maybe a lot less than what we have but maybe we'll start seeing more people wearing masks or uh more people just there's more space between tables and stuff like that i agree i think there is going to be a covid19 hangover mm -hmm. even after everyone gets vaccinated People will be scared to immediately dine inside mm. or go to an arena with 20,000 fans, be on an airplane with 300 other people. Mm. So I, I think that in time, things will return to normal in the long run. I do feel in the short term, it's gonna be really bad. If you have a job during COVID-19, you are blessed and you need to be grateful for what you have mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people out there that are struggling. So Jude, I actually wanted to ask you uh, one last question. Mm -hmm. If you're able to look in the future and see that this pandemic was gonna occur, mm -hmm. what would you have done differently? And more from a financial sense. What would I have done differently? I would have bought some Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, all kidding aside, I think, you know, um, I don't know if I would have done anything differently other than try to capitalize on some investments, right? I think um, 
you know, I there's not much I could have done because a lot of things are out of your control, right? Um, I think, you know, we did what we could with what we had and um, our our jobs didn't really change. I think I wouldn't have done my backyard. I think, you know, like, I feel like that was not something that needed to be done right now. But, you know, it's, it's something my wife uh, really wanted. So we did that. But um, I think, you know, I honestly, there's nothing really I could change. Everything was really pretty much mandated by the government on the way we operated and lived life uh, for that little bit of time when everything was closed down. Financially, we were still fine. Um, we, you know, like I said, we still saved money during that time. Um, but based on our before COVID, it, it wasn't much different for us, right? So, got it. I, I think if I was able to see what was going on a year prior to the pandemic, mm-hmm. I would have had more money in the bank, specifically cash, mm-hmm. just to not even to uh, from an investment standpoint, but just from that unknown. I feel like having the cash in the bank would have given me a lot more confidence that I was going to make it through okay, regardless of what's going to happen. The recommendation is always having three to six months worth Mm. ending in like a checking savings account. That's actually a great point because end of the day, you know, I think now's got me thinking you should never be over leveraged to the point where if one of you lose your job and just for one month you don't have their income you're underwater that's a big problem and the amount of stress Mm -hmm. it causes i agree i being a 32 year old investor bonds i probably would have put more bonds in my portfolio (laughs) and that's something that i don't think i've ever said i am a pure stock growth type of guy Mm -hmm. uh when i um so definitely but i i would continue investing obviously in stocks and real estate just add a little bit more safety bonds and i think uh we talked about that right being able to save from every paycheck Mm -hmm. automating your savings Mm -hmm. making sure you with that pay period right talking to an advisor do you invest under a tfsa an rsp so i have a question for you ed if you if like based on this situation would you tell your you know your clients and whatnot to reevaluate their risk tolerance and maybe they shift from 100 percent equity portfolio to like a 60 40 split or a 50 50 like is that something you would recommend I think it's all about the client's financial goals Mm -hmm. and what they're trying to achieve with that money. Safety is a good thing when times are bad, but when times are good, safety is a drag on your returns. You need some sort of safety in your portfolio, be it cash Mm -hmm. or bonds. So... Already, I was recommending having that type of financial plan in place. But I think just for my personal self, I would be more willing to introduce maybe 10% of my portfolio in bonds where before 
I was 100% stocks mm-hmm. all in. So before, like, I guess a lot of our listeners might not know. Can you explain when I say 60-40 split or 50-50 split? And can you explain what bonds are and what stocks are? Absolutely. So stocks are the riskier part of your portfolio. That's where your growth is going to be made up of. Just on average, stocks will return you 7 to 8%, where bonds is more of a safety. It's going to return maybe 2 to 3%. On its worst one year, you might have lost 2%. On its best one year, 7%. You're in a single digit range when it comes to how much you make and how much you can lose because you could still lose with bonds whereas the stocks you you can have double digit gains, double digit losses. Mm-hmm. So when you hear somebody say 60/40, that 60 that first number represents stocks, that second number represents bonds so correct me if i'm wrong uh stocks and bonds are negatively correlated so that's why they hedge they'll hedge stocks against bonds where you know the the idea is if stocks go up bonds are going down and if bonds are going up stocks are going uh up is that correct or am i wrong in my thinking you're absolutely right when stocks are down during times like recessions mm-hmm. you can go to your bonds sell them even if you only made 3% or 5% it's better to sell that and use the money from there than having to take a 30% loss because your stocks are down mm-hmm. now the other side when times are great and the stock market's up 20% your bonds will only be up maybe 2% or 3%. Mm-hmm. So at that point it does drag down your overall returns. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. It does. So it gets me to my next point. You know, we were talking about um people that lose their job and what now one way to make sure that you're not dependent on just this one job is diversifying your income now i know if you have a great investment portfolio you can have income generated to you even by month to month or quarterly to quarterly having dividend payouts and stuff like that can you kind of talk on like these different type of uh investment income and rate of returns that you would be looking at during a pandemic keeping in mind Yeah, what I'll do is I'll touch upon the diversification of your income. I think it's really dangerous to rely only on one source of income. You should look at investing in stocks that pay out dividends, bonds which pay out interest, real estate where you get rent coming in. It's important to have multiple income streams. Something that you mentioned earlier, being an entrepreneur, having that part-time hustle whether it's the Uber or you're chasing one of your dreams and that's your 5 to 9 is very important to make sure you have multiple streams of income. The goal should be to have at least 10 streams of income. I don't have 10 streams of income, but you just add one by one by one and the more streams you have the more safer you are especially during times like this. Mhm. 
Okay, so like that answered a lot of my questions, and you know, there's a lot of ways I guess we can mitigate our risk in terms of pandemics, and I think one of the biggest things that、like、you just mentioned was diversifying your income, trying to get to that ten. Uh, income stream goal, which I definitely am nowhere near. But you know, I think by doing more things, keeping yourself involved, finding your passion, trying to make money off your passion, even if you end up making a grand on it the first year, that's still a grand you didn't have doing something you like doing.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree, Jude. I enjoyed this segment. We talked about personal financial situations before and during COVID. We talked about what the future of COVID looks like. We talked about if you were able to see how COVID would be a year prior to it happening. What would you have done differently? Being able to talk about diversifying your income, learned a little bit about stocks, bonds. I think this has been a phenomenal episode. Yeah, no, I think so too. That's why you should like and follow us.、Um, follow us on your Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us, guys. This week, this has been Financial Talks with Jude and Ed. Hope everyone has an amazing day. Enjoy the Thanksgiving long weekend. Stay safe. Make sure you're wearing masks and washing your hands. Gobble gobble. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. <laughs>